Hello and welcome to the Villa Society, brand new Aston Villa podcast featuring match reviews, previews and most importantly, your fan views. We'll be covering the usual match reviews and previews, but we're also looking for your views and opinions. There's lots of podcasts out there, plenty of media, plenty of noise on social media for sure. Um, but sometimes it feels like we're just hearing from the same voices and the same people. So at the Villa Society, we really want to hear some more open, honest, unfiltered views and opinions from a wider audience. And to do that, you can head over to our website, thevillasociety.com, where you can send in your anonymous messages and uh, we'll discuss them on the show if they're really good points. So if it's something you want to get off your chest, about Aston Villa, it could be some news, transfer news, opinion, the latest game, it could be a prediction for the next game. Just head over to our website, thevillasociety.com and ping us your message. But today's episode, we're focusing on the sensational performance by Aston Villa who beat Bournemouth 3-0 at Villa Park. It was a really good performance from a settled team. So the team sheet came out and it was the same team as last week. Uh, Den Donker was out with a personal injury. No idea what that means, but he's been out for a few games now. Kamara was out in midfield, big miss there. We'll be back soon. But yeah, generally a settled team and uh, Villa kicked off and they burst out the blocks from minute one, really playing some really good football. And it was only after seven minutes where the goal happened. So yeah, Louise received the ball in our own half, quite deep in our own half. I think Mings had the ball, he plays it out to Moreno, plays it to Louise with his, uh, his back to the goal we're trying to score in and uh, he's been marked he turns his man gallops across the halfway line and at this point Bournemouth are backing off I think their defensive midfielder's tracking one of our runners I think it's Ramsey so Louise keeps going plays it out to the left where Watkins has peeled off to the left wing Watkins kind of cuts inside and goes for a shot the ball comes into the box and the defender gets a leg to it it comes out it's still in the box and Bailey recovers it at this point I think most people myself included think Bailey's going to cut inside on his left and, and whip the ball into that top corner or into the car park but he doesn't he cuts back inside down the line and uh, drills the ball back across and Louise side foots it beyond the keeper and it's 1-0 to Aston Villa only seven minutes gone at this stage so really impressive start and at this point I kind of thinking it might be a route it might be like 4-0 5-0 it's only seven minutes gone it wasn't to be like that I think the game ebbed and flowed a little bit but a note on uh, Bailey because he made a great start and contributed a lot to this first goal as soon as the team sheet came out there was so many people on social media on Bailey's back going oh why is Bailey starting blah 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 but he's starting because he has this impact he has that cutting edge he can score great goals he's just got that little bit of an x factor and you could see this with that first goal he made it there was nothing on apart from a shot from like just out, just around the edge of the box. But he, with that kind of bit of pace and a bit of skill, he made that goal. So I think what I'm trying to say is I think we need to be patient with players. I remember not so long ago, um, people were on Watkins back because he was missing quite a few chances. And now he's on a run of games where he can't stop scoring. And he's a key player in the team. He's creating a lot of our chances. If you look at this game, Watkins assisted on a couple of chances, uh, a couple of goals, sorry. So I think we just need to have a little bit more patience with players. Players need to be played into form. Sometimes it's the opposition they're playing against. Maybe they're sat more deep. We're not playing on the counter-attack. Maybe it doesn't suit Bailey's style of play. Maybe if we're playing like Man City or Arsenal or other teams where we've got to play a little bit more counter, that Bailey would thrive in that kind of game. But 
You know, you can't just jump on a player's back because he's had a couple of bad games. They need games to gain the confidence to play into form, essentially. I mean, if we drop Watkins, then where would we be now when everyone was calling for Watkins to be dropped? So there's a lot of like knee-jerk reactions around and I think we just need patience all around and even patience with the manager. He's not been there that long, but you can see what he's doing. He's got to this point where he's instilling his own strategy, his own tactics, his own knowledge on the team and you can see that kind of feeding through, but we have to be patient with that. It takes a bit of time. So yeah, patience is the key. So still in the first half, um, Watkins has a really good chance. And it's Bailey again. He nods it down inside to Buendia who picks the ball up and he slides in the ball to Watkins. Watkins is just going into the box. Got a player on his left-hand side, but he's just got the keeper to beat. And he kind of goes for a little kind of a chip, but the keeper reads it. It's a good save and the opportunity goes. Big opportunity. I mean, if we'd got on 2-0 up, then, you know, in the Premier League at this stage, then we're dominating the game going into half time. But Watkins, such an important player for Villa, his hold-up plays improved so so much with Emery and it's all-round game. He, he He's a key player for us. If he's not playing, then we'd be in trouble because we don't really have much of a backup. I guess we've got Duran, but he's unproven. Um, so yeah, Watkins is a key player for Aston Villa at the moment. So Bournemouth, they had a few chances. The main chance of the first half, we gave a free kick away right on the edge of the box. And we've got the old draft excluder out and the wall's looking quite solid. And Billings over the ball, he's he's their key player at Bournemouth at the moment. Really a player in form. He hits a free kick really well. It's going in the top corner, but thankfully he's gone for the keeper's side. And Martinez is there, kind of makes the most of it for the cameras, I think, because that is his side of the goal. He can't be letting that in, but it's a really well-struck shot. Flicks it over the bar there with his hand. He's made it, made it look... Like a really good save, and it probably is, but um, it is the keeper's side of the goal on the free kick, so you'd expect him to save it, but he's made the most of it for the cameras, I reckon. But good save nonetheless, good effort as well. Shortly after that chance, you see the problem with uh, playing our high line offside trap. Um, occasionally, someone's going to spring it, and Solanke does it on this occasion. He springs the offside trap, and he's clean through. He goes into the box. Uh, thankfully, Mings somehow manages to get back and he, he sprints back, gets alongside of him and um, Solanke takes a bad touch to his left away from goal and it gives the chance for Mings to slide in there and block the opportunity so he doesn't even get a shot on goal. He goes out for a corner to Bournemouth. Um, we really should have been punished from Bournemouth for that chance. It's a big opportunity. If he'd, if he'd not taken that bad touch, then it may have been an equaliser and then the whole complexion of the game would have looked very different. As it was, he missed and it went out for a corner. So... We went into the break 1-0 up and in the driving seat. I wasn't feeling 100% comfortable because 1-0, we need the second goal to kill the game off. So despite what I've kind of heard about this game, it wasn't plain sailing. We rode our luck a little bit. In the second half, we did have a shot from outside the box from Jacob Ramsey and it comes off Jack Stevens and goes over the bar. No appeals from the players, no appeals from the crowd. I didn't really see it at the time, but once we saw the replay, you could see it came off his hand. Uh, it looked like handball because it deflected off his arm or hand and went over the bar for a corner. But it depends. If you look at the rule, I'm guessing the way they've interpreted it is that he hasn't put his arm in an unnatural position. Maybe it's a natural position for what he's doing, defending. But I've seen them given for Aston Villa and I've seen them given against Aston Villa. So, you know, a lot of people say that's pretty much a penalty, but... You know, you could argue that he hasn't put his arm in an unnatural position, but it, it's so 
such a confusing rule that seems to change quite often. So, yeah, it kind of looked like a penalty to me, but if you read the rule and interpret it in that way, then maybe it's not. And as fans, all we're asking for is consistency, so often we'll see that given as a penalty. Um, to see not given as a penalty is a bit of a surprise when you see such soft penalties given every week. Villa continue to press, and uh, ball's floated up to Watkins on the left-hand side of the box. He's peeled off onto the left wing again. He brings the ball down, feeds it into Ramsey. Ramsey's still got a hell of a lot to do. He's got defender in front of him, and he takes him on and uh, beats him, and he's clean through on the keeper, and he slides it, slots it under the keeper and into the back of the net. Heard a few people thinking the keeper should save it, but I don't think so. I think Ramsey's picked his spot and it's a really cool finish. And Ramsey's just seems to be getting better and better every week at the moment. And again, another player under Emery who's improving. It must be the training he's getting, the instructions he's getting. Emery's very, very particular and he sits down with every player to try and improve each player. And you can kind of see that having an impact here. Another player who's had an amazing game was Mings. Um, defended so well. That Solanke shot, he managed to block that. He's been heading everything, defending everything, putting his body on the line. And uh, shortly after that second goal, he has the opportunity to go 3-0 up. Um, I think it's Traore who's come on for Bailey. He, he puts um, a lovely pass down the line and it's Konza. I don't know what Konza's doing up there. It must be a corner. So Konza's, Konza's cut, it, cut it back across the box and there's just a keeper and a defender on the line. And Mings has kind of side-footed it, but with power and it's kind of, gone straight at the keeper and Neto and he's deflected it away and I don't know about you but everyone seemed to think it was a goal at that point I thought it was going to be a goal and he probably would have got man of the match I think Mings at this point because he's had such a great game and just to score as well would have been like the cherry on top so I said earlier the second goal would have been key so after the second goal Villa just seemed to grow in confidence and passing the ball around playing some really really good football Louise had a set piece. His set pieces are quite interesting in this game. I'm not sure whether he's trying to shoot anymore. It seems like he's had uh, quite a few set pieces that have been drilled on the training ground. And um, I think this one, which was the goal, I, th I think they've done this on the training ground as well because Mings comes to the near post, which is pretty much impossible to defend against. So you've got big guy at the near post, like flicking it on. So Mings comes in, it's curled into that near post. Mings gets the header across and uh, the smallest player on the on the pitch, Emi Buendia, is there to nod it home. And 3-0 uh, and it's game over. And Buendia didn't have his greatest game in that first half, but he kind of grew into it into the second half and deserved a goal. I think he's a player that's a little bit underrated. He um, gets around the pitch and he, he puts in the effort and he's got the skills and ability. We just want to see him deliver a little bit more. I think he's got an extra gear he could go up into, so it'd be good to see that. But yeah, pleasing to see he got a goal. So 3-0, and the game was pretty much sewn up there. It was just Villa playing some great football in that second half. After the second goal, I guess it, we relaxed a bit, playing with confidence. It's quite easy when you're 2-0 up to, to do that. And Bournemouth didn't really have much fight back at that stage. So 3-0, points wrapped up. Uh, another clean sheet at Villa Park and uh, another important win and we're looking up the table now and we've got a big gap between us and the, the relegation battle at the bottom so there's a ton of optimism around now because uh, Villa have turned the tide and won some games and they're starting to play some good football and we've got that gap between us and the bottom and we're looking up the table seems to be a lot of positivity around everywhere and yeah hopefully it is a turning point we have so many false dawns as Aston Villa fans and you know it's just like us to you know get beaten the next two or three games after this just to dampen all our spirits but yeah it does feel like a big turning point I think as fans we can see what the manager's trying to do and we can see that on the pitch and we can see 
the change of tactics, the change of style of play, the attacking ability we've got now, the goals we're scoring. We, we scored in every single game that Emery's been the manager, and that's an incredible stat, really. And for the fans, that's an entertaining stat as well. I know some people are saying, oh, I'm not sure about the football we're playing sometimes and we're playing it around the back a bit too much. But I think we have to have patience and we, we need to play in that way, I think, because it's Emery's style. He wants to bring teams on to us so we can then create and exploit the space going forward. Whether or not we've got the players to do that, I'm not sure. But like the players that we have got, they've got to learn how to do it. And that's going to take time. And we've seen it. We've made some mistakes. We're passing it around the back. But it takes time for play our players to be comfortable with this. I mean, we've never really played with this style before. So you can see it takes time to have confidence at the back in doing it and every player to know exactly what they're doing with the ball. But it does seem like we're starting to... It's just clicked. It's clicked with those defenders. It seems to be clicking with different players in different positions. And yeah, it's exciting. I think we can now push on and uh, hopefully performances will get even better. It's been a long time since Villa have consistently been in the top half of the Premier League, so I think a little bit of patience is required, but I think if we can have a good summer of signing some decent players, then I think there's you know, a really good chance we can stick in that top half of the table and have a really good season next season. Although I keep hearing people saying we're going to buy three or four or five players, and I'm not sure we are going to. I think... I think we may be more precise than that and we might bring in just the right players for Emery's system. If you look at Moreno, he's brought Moreno in. People weren't too sure about him after a few games. They were like, oh yeah, he's a bit suspect at the back. But if you, if you see what Emery's trying to do with Moreno, he gets down that line. He's quite quick. He seems to be breaking in between the midfield and the defence and then he's one-on-one -on -one with a defender. And the difference between Moreno and Dinier, Moreno can actually beat his man. And that's a really dangerous threat to have going forward. And if you watch Moreno in the last few games, you see when Mings gets the ball on the left-hand side, he's kind of looking for this diagonal pass that cuts out one of the midfielders. And it leaves Moreno just down that left-hand side in acres of space. And it's it's a really good tactic that we seem to be employing. It seems to be working at the moment. The other teams don't seem to be aware of it. And it leaves Moreno loads of space to get down that wing, cross it in or beat his man. Uh, and on occasions, he's had the even the defenders been taken out, so there's whole whole channel there for him to run into. It's a really good tactic, and it's it's only something you could play with that particular player. So you can see how Emery's found this player, looked at all his stats, looked at the way he plays, looked at what he's going to add to the team. He's gone out and bought him, not for a huge amount of money. I think it was like thirteen million, and uh, he's slotted in. And now he's starting to prove his worth. And I think if we can do that in the summer with two key players in the right positions, then it will really add to our team. And I think at that point, we can play out from the back with more confidence. We'll have more decisive actions going forward. And I think, yeah, maybe the top half of the table, top eight might be possible. So exciting times, I think. But I don't think we're going to see loads and loads of players come in. And also, like, here we're going for a big, expensive center forward or forward these days but I don't know where that's going to leave Watkins because Watkins is having a great season so is that mean Watkins is on the bench because you don't really play with two up front these days so it'd be interesting to see what happens if we get someone in like that um it would require someone with a lot of ability to do the things Watkins is doing and also be a, a top finisher at the same time so yeah it'd be interesting to see who comes in but one thing's for sure we have a world-class manager now I don't think I've seen a manager with this kind of record in the Villa job in my whole lifetime. So I think we all need to back the manager, have a lot of patience in what he's doing. 
And um, yeah, I, th I think the only way is up as long as we keep Emery and we don't chop and change again. We don't have any kind of knee jerk reactions and stuff like that, because I think we're going in the right direction and um, there's lots of good times ahead for once. So next up for Aston Villa is Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on the 1st of April. I quite fancy Villa to sneak a win in this game, maybe 2-1. Villa are slightly more informed if you look at the stats. Chelsea, they expect to be higher up the table. They've spent so much money. The fans are a little bit disgruntled with Graham Potter. I don't think he's found a settled side. He hasn't found the right players in the right positions and they don't seem to be gelling all that well. So I think it's an opportunity for Villa to take advantage and maybe sneak an away win there. Um, if you look at Chelsea over the last few games, they, they drew last game at home to Everton last minute. So you can understand why the fans aren't too happy. I think Graham Potter made a last... 10-minute change you changed it up at the back and then conceded a goal to Sims it was a it was like I reminded me of Benteke really he's um, a young striker for Everton new new player quite exciting he's a big lad he, he kind of got into the box and shrugged off the defender I can't remember who it was but he like Benteke kind of just muscled him out of the way and slotted the ball in the back of the net and it was 2-2 um, and Everton left with a solid point before that Chelsea did win away at Leicester um, and won at home to lead the game before that. Previous to that, they did lose two games, so you can see why the Chelsea fans aren't too happy. They lost to Spurs away, and they lost at home 1-0 to Southampton. So a real mixed bag of results there. You can see they haven't really found like a, a run of form. And um, yeah, there's obvious reasons there why the Chelsea fans aren't too happy. Villa, on the other hand, we obviously beat Bournemouth 3-0 at home last game. Before that, it was a bit of a trudged game against West Ham. It was a bit of a battle, lots of fouls, lots of yellow cards, and... 1-1 at West Ham. It wasn't a great game, but um, it's not a bad, bad result away from home. For that, we are home form again, 1-0 against Crystal Palace, and then an away game, 2-0 against Everton. So Villa are on the up, really, and I think the fans are a lot more positive because we're not expecting what ex um, Chelsea fans are expecting to be in that top top four or five. So Villa are on the up and we're building. I think that positivity could play a, a key role in this game. Our main concern coming into this game is potentially if we're playing that high line against Chelsea, whether we do or not, because we're away at Chelsea. Um, I think playing that offside trap, if, if Chelsea are playing any players with pace, maybe Sterling or Mudaric, I think if they can spring the offside trap, then they've got the ability to finish those opportunities. Whereas against Bournemouth, Solanke um, through the opportunity away, I think we might get punished against Chelsea. So that's my main concern there tactically. I think um, I think we might get a lot of joy down the left-hand side again with Moreno. I think um, a lot of the teams haven't really prepared for us playing with uh, our defenders that high up and, and attacking their right and left backs. So I think that might be a good one. So yeah, Chelsea don't seem to have settled that well. I think even against Everton, Sean Dyche had a game plan and he he executed that game plan perfectly, scoring in the last few minutes and um, getting that point, all important point away at Chelsea. And I think um, Chelsea just, they don't seem that direct and they don't seem to have that cutting edge or they don't seem to have any counter-attacking um, counter play. Uh, they haven't scored many goals on their counter-attacks. So I think they're quite laborious and, and, and they take the time on the ball. And I think it's too slow, a bit too ponderous. And I think this could play to Villa's advantage in the next game. I think to get anything out of this game, I think we also need our back back four to have a good game. I think especially Mings and Cons are in the middle. I think they've got to have a strong game at the back. Uh, I think going forward on the left-hand side of Moreno's playing again, I think he's going to be 
key for us to get a goal really and I think Ming's playing him in down that left hand side I think we could see some great opportunities some great cross crosses from deep or maybe him beating his man down the line and getting crossing there I think he'll be a key player I think also Watkins and his hold up play I think that's going to be an important part of the game especially if we we do ping a couple of long balls up to him I know we've been doing a lot less of that recently but uh, it is an outlet and I think um, even playing a long ball along the floor to him, him holding the ball up and then playing in the other midfielders in so he can advance up the pitch. I think Watkins is going to be another key player in this game. be interesting to see whether he starts with Leon Bailey as well and how well he plays against Chelsea and if he gets more opportunities to take on his man down the line if there's more space in behind rather than if we've got possession and we're in their half and he's trying to get down the line. I think that's a lot more difficult for him. I think he needs that counter-attack attacking kind of play to fulfill his potential. So it'd be interesting to see if he's playing and um, whether he has a better game. Douglas Louise, another key player, he had a really, really good game against Bournemouth and he's really come into form. A lot of people weren't sure whether now that Kamara's been out for a few games, whether his form would dip and he would struggle a little bit because Kamara was doing a lot of the, the dirty work, so to speak, in defensive midfield and then freeing up Louise to go forward and be a bit more creative and feed those passes and all those kind of skillful things that Douglas Ruiz is pretty good at. But um, that wasn't the case. He seems to have come into his own and really hit a, a strong vein of form. And uh, hopefully he can do the same at, at Chelsea. Seems to be quite a few players to talk about as key players because um, we, we have a lot of players in form from that Bournemouth game. But also Jacob Ramsey, um, he's offered offer something a bit different, like driving and taking on his man and also scoring goals now. So... It'd be great to see him score another against Chelsea. I think it's uh, possible and I think he's he's playing so well at the moment and he's definitely looks like he's concentrating on getting a few more goals. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he popped up with uh, another goal. I think of the Everton games, anything to go by, I think Chelsea will, I can't see them radically changing. So I can't see them having more thrust or drive or pace or counter-attacking play. I think they may try and keep possession, be tough in the tackle, I think maybe kind of slow as well in the in the possession and passing and and try and dominate the game and get crosses in and try and score that way so I think that's something the Villa team could weather and potentially counter-attack with as well so I think it will play into our hands and yeah I, I kind of do fancy us to get something out of this game so predictions for this game so yeah as I said um, I think Villa's form slightly better and a lot more positivity around the Villa team I think um I think we will sneak this 2-1 and I think Ollie Watkins will score who will get the other Villa goal. I think maybe Jacob Ramsey as well. He's in form. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll sneak a 2-1. It's it's going to be going to be close and I think it's one where we're going to have to defend quite well and, and counter-attack and be quite incisive. But I think at the moment, the way things are with Chelsea, I think it's a prime opportunity for us to to get that result and maybe leapfrog them in the, in the league as well. So having said that, it's kind of typical Villa that you know, we'd get beat here and probably go on a losing streak now after all this positivity. But um, fingers crossed we'll get a result and it will be a turning point, I think, for our season and, and seasons ahead. So if you've got your own prediction for the Chelsea game, send them in. Get on our website, thevillasociety.com, send them in and uh, your opinions as well. And we'll, we'll read all those and get them on the next show if they're good. So it's been really cool to start a podcast and start on a positive note with Villa because we've had so many seasons where things have been difficult, relegation seasons, promotion seasons were great on the way up, but you know, all the away games going away to Reading, QPR and all this kind of stuff, it's 
it was a long time coming, getting back in the Premier League and getting back into that top half. Not that, the, that we're there yet, but we're on our way. And I think, um, yeah, it's just it's a great position to be in, having a world-class manager, having players hitting form. And I think now, hopefully, this is a turning point. And yeah, this season will will be a good season and we will improve and get into that top 10. And then next season, we can establish ourselves in that top 10. Thanks for listening. And yeah, do get your comments in on the website again. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. So bye for now and up the villa.